This is gonna clip something off first quarter GDP. How the coronavirus is impacting the global and U.S. economy. The next step will be uh, agents from the state of Idaho coming to Kauai to pick her up and transport her back. The mother of missing children will be extradited from Hawaii. One of the serious things we gotta do is make sure that we defeat the most dangerous president in the modern history of this country, Donald Trump. Democratic presidential hopefuls flock to South Carolina in a make or break primary for many contenders. You're listening to the Newsline Review, the show that brings you the weekly roundup of this week's most important news and how they affect your daily life. My name is Matthew Loveland, and I'll be your tour guide today. The coronavirus is affecting the global economy's health. The disease is causing havoc on the stock market and headaches for companies big and small. John Lawrence reports. The coronavirus might become an economic pandemic. This is going to clip something off first quarter GDP. How much? I don't know. On Tuesday, the Dow dropped nearly 900 points one day after it closed down more than 1,000. We've wiped out all of the gains that we've seen so far this year uh, in, this, in the market. Uh, we could see further declines. I don't know. You might see a reversal, right? The oil industry is also reeling from the coronavirus. OPEC is meeting next week. Right now, they're trying to see the barrel as half full. We are, have been through this cycle so many times. We are adapting very well to manage whatever the situation called for. Something else the coronavirus is impacting? Coca-Cola. The soft drink giant says the artificial sweeteners it gets from China could be in short supply if the outbreak rages on. Mom and pop shops are also feeling the pinch, like Natalie M. Bridal Shop in Overland Park, Kansas. The majority of bridal gowns are made in China. Factory shutdowns and quarantines in the country are having a ripple effect for brides-to-be. In the past, we'd say, well, we'll go ahead and order it. They'll manufacture it. It'll be here in time. I can't do that today. I, today, I have to say, you know what, sweetheart? We've got to find you a different dress. I'm John Lawrence reporting. One in five people who travel on the airplane get sick. And with the recent coronavirus outbreak, flyers are even more concerned about staying healthy while traveling. Reporter Savannah Hedgerhorst tells us how to stay healthy while flying. Hi, Savannah. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Sweet. So, Savannah, with the worldwide spread of coronavirus, why are airplanes such a big concern? Airplanes are a big concern because there are a lot of different people crammed into a small space, and there's very little airflow on the airplane. So there's just lots of, yeah, it's just the perfect place to get sick. Oh, it's like a little incubation chamber, huh? Exactly. Oof. So... With that in mind, how hard is it to stay hygienic in such a tight space? It can be really hard, especially if you are not um, being healthy. So the best way to prepare to travel is um, actually before you head out on your travels um, to boost your immune system. Oh, so like load up on oranges and those emergency tablets or something a little more sophisticated than that? It's actually really four simple things that you can do. So like you mentioned, vitamin C, which can be eaten or taken as a supplement. The second thing is to um, get enough sleep. So the recommended seven hours a night. The third thing is maintaining a lifestyle with a clean diet and uh, consistent exercise and then the fourth thing is just to wash your hands consistently and just to just to practice those elementary things that we've been taught. Okay. That makes sense. As you mentioned with uh, Dr. Brown. If you're trying to stay well, anything that helps keep your immune system uh, functioning the way that it should is going to lessen your chance of getting sick. 
So are these cure-alls to stop people from getting coronavirus? Um, in terms of coronavirus, um, basically what you want to do is just reduce the likelihood of getting sick. And that's before travel and that's during travel. So just exercise healthy practices like avoid touching your face, sanitize your uh, tray tables and things that have that get touched a lot. And actually, you should never touch the seat pocket in front of you. Those are like Ooh. mini trash cans that never get sanitized. So, oh, yeah, just <laughs> that's the space where they put like those travel magazines and the exactly. Yeah. Oh. So doctors say that you shouldn't ever even touch them. Don't browse through the magazines. Don't put your phone in there. Like oh. literally just do not touch it. You know, it makes so much sense, but I'm going to miss flipping through those. Oh, you can bring your own magazine. <laughs> oh, OK. You know what? That sounds so much safer. Well, all right. Well, hey, Savannah, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. South Carolina is holding the last presidential primary before Super Tuesday, and it's pretty super in its own right. The Palmetto State vote will likely be a major deciding factor in the future of some candidates' campaigns, with a few possibly ending. John Lorenk reports. South Carolina, the state Joe Biden calls his firewall, but in reality, it's his fourth quarter and he needs a Hail Mary. Are you going to win? Yes. All right. Because South Carolina is the trajectory to winning the Democratic nomination. South Carolina looks favorable for Biden. He got an endorsement from Representative James Clyburn this week. And in a new Monmouth University poll, Biden is ahead of national frontrunner Senator Bernie Sanders. One of the serious things we got to do is make sure that we defeat the most dangerous president in the modern history of this country, Donald Trump. South Carolina is basically do or die for some Democratic presidential hopefuls, like Senator Elizabeth Warren. Are you in this fight with me? Let's do this. Senator Amy Klobuchar. And I'm asking you to vote for me. Thank you so much, everyone. Businessman Tom Steyer. You know, I just don't believe that having the government take over big parts of the economy is a smart thing to do. And former Mayor Pete Buttigieg. Not all of the answers have to come from Washington, but more of the funding should. Another former mayor, Mike uh, Bloomberg, isn't on the ballot in South Carolina, focusing uh, instead on later contests. I'm Reed Binion reporting. Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders will be in the Beehive State the day before Super Tuesday. Sanders will hold a rally next Monday at noon at the Utah State Fair Park Central Mall in Salt Lake City. This will be the first campaign event for the Democratic frontrunner in Utah this election cycle. Other candidates who have visited the state include former New York City Mayor Mike Bloomberg, former South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg, Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren, and Hawaii Representative Tulsi Gabbard. A Hawaii judge refused Wednesday to reduce the $5 million bail set for the Idaho mother of two children missing since September. Lori Vallow was arrested last week and is facing two counts of desertion and non-support of dependent children. She waived extradition to Idaho during Wednesday's court appearance. Police have said Vallow failed to comply with a court order to produce her children to authorities by January 30th. Her children, 17-year-old Tylee Ryan and 7-year-old Joshua Vallow, were last seen in September in Rexburg, Idaho. Police have said Vallow and her husband, Chad Daybell, were not cooperating. Vallow's defense attorney argued that Vallow had moved to Hawaii, where her husband lives, in a move planned before Idaho authorities filed charges. He also said that she is not a flight risk and that the $5 million bail is excessive for somebody charged with a Class B felony. Video of the arrest of a six-year-old girl has been released. The video shows six-year-old Kaya Roll getting arrested with the officer zip-tying her hands behind her back as she cries and pleads for help. Oh, so bad. 
police were called to the school after Kaya had a tantrum and hit three social workers. The arresting officer, Dennis Turner, detained another six-year-old boy on the same day he arrested Kaya. Turner had previously been disciplined and suspended from misconduct he had committed the day after he was fired from the police force. As can be expected, people have been appalled by this footage. Twitter user Jude posted, I'm relieved that this Orlando police officer has been fired, but I am in tears, heartbroken, watching the six-year-old girl arrested, handcuffed, and pulled into a cop car. Some, however, continued to support the police force, one user arguing that the kid was kicking and hitting people. Liberal interference means teachers and admins are not allowed to remove her, so they called the cops. How is the cop to blame for doing his job when parents and school officials failed to do theirs? The video has been retweeted more than 100,000 times on Twitter, as well as having a total of 1 million views on YouTube. Just a city boy, a Salt Lake City boy to be exact. A Utah teen is hitting all the right notes on NBC's The Voice. I found a love me. 16-year-old Tate Brusa sang a rendition of Ed Sheeran's Perfect on The Voice this week. He impressed the coaches, especially Nick Jonas. Brusa says he got his raspy tone from damaging his vocal cords when he was young. He got his first guitar when he was seven and started songwriting soon after. Brusa will perform on Jonas's team for future episodes. Time's up on sexual harassment in all workplaces. What sets apart Harvey Weinstein's conviction from any other? Victims advocates go out to the hospital. They're on call 24-7. What resources are available in Utah for sexual assault survivors? See, it's for cooking. That's good enough for me. One airline takes the heat when they change out a beloved in-flight snack. At the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, we provide more than $150 billion each year in grants, loans, and work-study funds, making higher education possible for anyone. Federal Student Aid, proud sponsor of the American Mind. Learn more at studentaid.gov. Former Egyptian President Hosni Mubarak died on Tuesday. Mubarak served as president from 1981 until 2011 when he stepped down in response to protests. Later, a Cairo court gave him a life sentence for his role in the death of protesters just before his resignation. He was ultimately acquitted and his sentence was reversed, setting Mubarak free. He was 91 years old. Disney has a new CEO after Bob Iger abruptly stepped down on Tuesday. Iger is now the executive chairman and director to the company's creative endeavors. He will remain with Walt Disney Company until his contract expires at the end of 2021. Iger says now is the right time for the company to transition to a new CEO. Bob Chapek takes over for Iger. He served most recently as the chairman of Disney Parks, Experiences, and Products. Harvey Weinstein has been convicted on rape and criminal sex charges in New York. Whitney Wilde is in New York with the latest. Harvey Weinstein, now New York State inmate number 065811380Z in one of the country's most notorious correctional facilities, Rikers Island. Harvey Weinstein is exactly where he should be now behind bars. Jurors found the former Hollywood powerhouse guilty of committing a criminal sexual act in the first degree involving one woman and a rape in the third degree involving another woman. While he's been convicted, we can't undo the harm that he has caused to so many victims. Weinstein accuser Ashley Judd tweeted, for the women who testified in this case and walked through traumatic hell, you did a public service to girls and women everywhere. Rosanna Arquette, another of the more than 80 women accusing Weinstein of sexual misconduct conduct tweeted gratitude to the brave women who've testified and to the jury for seeing through the dirty tactics of the defense. Weinstein, who was acquitted of the more serious charges of predatory sexual assault and first degree rape, is set to be sentenced March 11th. His attorneys say they plan to appeal. I, I look at 
the contents of the emails and the communications and you know all of the things surrounding what these women claim happened to them and it's just very hard for me to reconcile. I'm Whitney Wild reporting. Data from the Utah Commission on Criminal and Juvenile Justice shows that one in three Utah women will experience some form of sexual assault and one in six Utah women will experience rape. Newsline reporter Bon Lee is here to tell us more about these startling statistics. Hi, Bon. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing real good. Bon, these are some pretty scary statistics. So what kind of resources are available to help these victims? So the main resource that um, the Utah County has is the Center for Women and Children in Crisis. What their role is, they have a hotline that is open 24-7. So anyone, the victims and the loved ones of the victims, the family members, can call this hotline and seek for help. It sounds like Lori Jenkins, the Director of Sexual Assault Services in Orem, really promotes the use of these facilities. Victims advocates go out to the hospital. They're on call 24-7. They each take a 24-hour shift. And then if someone who has been sexually assaulted or raped, they can show up at any any emergency room. So what other tools or services are available to help victims? So what the Center for Women and Children in Crisis does is that they connect victims to other resources that are available in Utah. So I guess the main thing is when the crisis happens, just call the hotline and they will connect to you to the um, resources that are needed. Makes sense. I can imagine they'd be a lot more familiar with what kind of tools are available to help victims in the moment. Uh-huh. What a lot of victims don't realize is that when you get assaulted or when you get raped, you can go to any hospitals in Utah and tell the emergency room that like what happened to you. And when that happens, the emergency room will contact the Center for Women and Children in Crisis and oh. they will send out a crisis team. And when the victim is getting checked, the crisis team will sit there with them and comfort them and provide them with all the helps they can give and, like, provide therapy. There are so many aspects to this. That makes sense. What kind of things can we do as average Utah citizens to help out survivors? So this is something that I've asked all um, everyone involved. They said that the most important thing is how the friends around the victims and survivors react. According to research, the reaction from the first 10 people the victim um, encounters determines how fast the recovery of the victim is going to be. Oh, that makes sense. And one survivor you talked to, Michaela Bond, seems to really emphasize this point. even to this day, is having an ally or, like, a friend who understands really what you've been through, maybe because they've been through something similar. It sounds like it's a hard process, but uh, it sounds like there are many tools that can give survivors hope. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, thank you so much for coming on today, Bon. Thank you. An opioid company reached a $1.6 billion settlement agreement. Malin Grote says this deal resolves all drug-related claims against the company and its subsidiaries. The agreement is with the Attorney General for 47 states and U.S. territories. The payments for plaintiffs will be received over an eight-year period. Funds will be used to help take care of addiction costs and additional needs. 
California Attorney General Xavier Bareca says the settlement is an important step in the process of healing our communities. Malinroth's main subsidiaries will file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. The National Survey on Drug Use and Health says more than 10 million Americans misuse opioids in 2018. The Salt Lake County Council voted 6-3 to approve zoning changes for the Olympia Hills development. Olympia Hills plans to build 6,000 homes and businesses on more than 900 acres of unincorporated land west of Harriman. Yesterday's vote is the first of two required for the zoning changes. The second is scheduled for March 3rd. The Utah House endorses a bill to enforce laws banning the use of handheld cell phones while driving. The bill was sponsored by Democratic Rep. Carol Moss. Handheld cell phone use while driving has been illegal in Utah since 2007, but could only be enforced simultaneously with another moving violation, such as overspeeding. Moss pushed, the, Moss pushed the bill for years despite its previous failure. It was forwarded to the Senate on Monday. House Bill 375 would place a total ban on electronic cigarettes. This bill enacts a prohibition on the manufacture, distribution, sale, possession, and use of any electronic cigarette. It also repeals previous provisions allowing the use and sale of e-cigarettes. The bill proposes a Class C misdemeanor for anyone knowingly possessing an e-product, and distributing e-products may result in a Class B misdemeanor. State senators voted unanimously in favor of a bill that increases the penalty for illegally passing a school bus. The cost of a first-time offense could be raised from $100 to $250. It's really good for safety. Um, parents don't want to worry about their kids getting off the bus. Bus drivers don't want to worry about people running through the, the reds. State legislators say they passed the bill to guarantee the safety of bus drivers on busy roads. Drivers need to be paying attention and stop when buses are present and flashing their red lights and stop sign. The new law also requires offenders to serve the community. For first-time offenders, 10 hours of community service are required, 20 hours on the second offense, and 40 hours for a third-time offense. The Senate changed some of the language in the bill on Thursday, which means it'll go back to the House for final approval before being sent to Governor Gary Herbert for his signature. A new bill that would make it easier to buy a bar license from an existing club owner was introduced into the legislature on Monday. The proposed bill, House Bill 399, also prohibits advertising that promotes the intoxicating effects of alcohol or emphasizes the high alcohol content of an alcoholic product. The bill has been introduced in the House for a first reading. C is for cookie, that's good enough for me. C is for cookie, that's good enough for me. When choosing an airline, most people look at price, simplicity, and comfort, arguably in that order. But today, many people are choosing their airlines based on what is arguably the most important aspect of the flight, the complimentary snack options. In what may be the dawn of a new era, United Airlines announced Wednesday that it'll be switching one of its complimentary snack options from Biscoff cookies to Oreo Thins. The switch won't happen immediately, but Oreo Thins will be entering the United Recirculated Airspace soon. While you will still have other snack options, I personally love a pretzel, the Oreo Thin will be United's cookie of choice. Reactions online to United's announcement were mixed. Alexa on Twitter wrote, When I fly United, Biscoff is literally the only reason why. Uh, Terry Nagoon was just as unhappy. Just heard that United is replacing Biscoff cookies with Oreo Thins? Unacceptable! Some individuals are even promising to switch their loyalty. Brooke Odzier said, Well, this certainly makes planning travel easier. Never again, United. Janice Wayne pointed out what this would mean for vegans. United is getting rid of their vegan option, Biscoff cookies for disgusting Oreos. Really? Guess everyone gets to walk off the plane with black stuff between their teeth and vegans get no option. Delta will be getting all of my frequent flyer miners. Hashtag vegan. Now what starts with the letter C? C is for cookie, and as United has learned, T is for trouble. 
Well, that's all for today's episode of the News and Review. Thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you so much to my special guests, Savannah Hedrickhorse and Bonnie. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Stitcher, or wherever you can listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. This is Matthew Levin with the News and Review. Have a wonderful weekend. Looks like a sea.